So what happens is we have two tabulators. One of the tabulators is not working, okay? So no one's trying to <laughs> deceive anybody. Of course not, not on election day. That would never happen, right? No, that would never happen. Well, good morning, Maricopa County. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's why. I got the feeling that something right. Not on election day. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. I am. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast that's heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA, also in California in Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI, Round Mountains KKRN, and Eureka's KGOE. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, Eugene's KEPW, Lancaster, Pennsylvania's WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, in Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP. Rochester, New York's WRFZ, down in New Orleans on WHIV, out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ in Seattle on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950 KTNF. And yes, we stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day on the internets, even on election days, on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, No Lies Radio, Verdant Square Radio, and Detour Talk Blanketing Planet Earth. Five days a week, I'm Brad Friedman. Your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow says me from bradblog.com. And thank you for joining us uh, as we go to air. It is finally, yes, Election Day in these United States, Desi Doyen. I know. feels like it took forever to get here. Yes. And now we are here. And it may take forever for it to end. Yes. But we'll we'll get to that in a little bit. By the way, I, d- I did uh, some math. I think this is the... 10th general election that I have covered uh, wow. since beginning bradblog.com back in uh, the early 2000s. Anyway, <laughs> uh, hey, here in Los Angeles, uh, indeed across much of Southern California, we're sort of being slammed, surprisingly enough, by a pretty huge winter storm on Election Day. Also, in and around the Bay Area near San Francisco, they appear to be having similar downpours. Of course, winter storm in California does not necessarily mean... What it means elsewhere in the country. Uh, For those who don't live in Southern California, I'll just say that out here, you know, fog is uh, sort of the equivalent equivalent of, of wind everywhere else. A windy day, meanwhile, is like a rainy day everywhere else. And a rainy day... In Los Angeles, anyway, is like a snowy blizzard. (laughs) True. And, uh, well, if it actually does snow uh, anywhere but in our mountainous regions, why, of course, that would be an apocalypse. Yes. (laughs) We don't want that. So today uh, we've got uh, some uh, not entirely nonstop rain, but a lot of rain, uh, which is something akin to a snowy blizzard at the poles in much of northern and southern California. How that affects turnout here remains to be seen. In general, of course, that is uh, bad for turnout on Election Day when you've got big storms. 
even if that might mean it is more bad this year for Republicans on Election Day. They've been encouraging their voters these days. Following the former president's lies about absentee and early voting, they've been encouraging their voters to wait until Election Day to vote in person. That, as we have seen uh, record early and absentee voting numbers across many key states this year. The weather looks nice at a glance in most of the country today, other than out here in California and, well, sort of down in Florida, where a late-season tropical storm is looks like it's going to become a hurricane and slam Florida over the next 48 hours or so. Not sure what effect that may have uh, have had on Election Day voters. But there again, as Republicans have been attacking and suing against the use of vote by mail and absentee ballots in many parts of the country on the presumption that doing so, if they can throw out those ballots, it's going to hurt Democrats more than Republicans to toss out perfectly legal absentee ballots. Well, in that case, bad weather on Election Day at this point could end up hurting Republicans more than Democrats. Now, that said, on Election Day, my personal interest is that all voters who wish to vote are able to exercise their right to do so and that their ballots get counted as cast in a way that they can know that it was counted as cast no matter where they are voting and no matter who they are voting for. I do mention California, however, not just because we live and broadcast from here, but depending on how things go, uh, you know, while California has largely been ignored in this year's midterm uh, election coverage, If the race for a majority in the U.S. House turns out to be tight, which is uh, sort of as likely right now as a blowout either way for Republicans or for Democrats, since really no one knows anything at this hour as we go to air, uh, the way California votes for its U.S. House members could end up determining which party ends up with the majority control of the House for the next two years. And if that is the case... Well, you may need to sit back and relax because we take our sweet time counting out here in California, prioritizing getting it right over getting it done quickly with actually a full 30 days before all votes are tallied and election law uh, elections are lawfully certified. So, yeah, in that scenario, at least it could take quite a while. And the weather in northern and southern California on Election Day actually could end up affecting which party ends up controlling the lower chamber of Congress. Just in case you hadn't thought that all the way through. Uh, That, of course, is just one potential scenario. There are several, especially with so many tight races, at least according to the pre-election polling in so many parts of the country. That tightness uh, means that a polling error... Of just a few points, one way or another, in either direction, could end up resulting in a wave election for one party or the other, for Republicans or Democrats this year. It is that close all around. And as I said, nobody knows nothing at this hour, at least when we are going to air Those of you uh, listening uh, later on Tuesday or certainly Wednesday morning may know more than we do about how things are going. But uh, by, you know, by way of reminder, 
I've been advising you for months and months now to ignore whatever you're being told about conventional wisdom in a year in which Democrats should be in for a drubbing. And that may well still happen. As I said, you Wednesday listeners may know this already. But the way that the media have been approaching this election is very odd. Given the lack of decisiveness in the actual polling and the record turnouts that we were seeing in early and absentee voting for Democrats. Now, I'm not mentioning all of this in hopes of encouraging Democrats one way or another. As I said, polling will be closed in most cases before most people, I think, hear hear this broadcast. I'm mentioning it for another reason, which uh, I will get to in a moment. But longtime media critic James Fallows on Twitter yesterday posted two New York Times front pages. One was from the day before the midterm primaries in 2018, on which he describes the uh, the headline uh, as properly being about uncertainty in that first off year mid uh, you know midterm election when a republican controlled the white house at the time even though as you will recall there were there was a huge amount of energy from democrats in response in 2018 in that midterm election against a very unpopular donald trump after his first two years in office so fallows uh, shows these two front pages from the new york times uh, one from before the 2018, uh, the night before the 2018 midterms, which he says, now this is interesting. And then uh, the actual front page reads the headline edge in polls might not tip house scales outcome hinges on a handful of toss ups. That's what the Times front page carefully cautioned on uh, the eve of the midterms in 2018. Now, as it happened Fallows notes the Democrats ended up picking picking up 41 seats in the U.S. House that year, despite the note of caution from The New York Times about what could possibly happen. And then there's the front page from Monday of this week, the day before this week's midterm elections, about which Fallows notes, quote, lead story and analysis are about doom for Democrats before this year's midterm elections with headlines and stories like this, quote, Biden faces polarized U.S. as vote nears on trail with parties outlook bleak. Well, that sounds bad, not uncertain, uh, uncertain at all. The analysis uh, reads, Mr. Biden has been spreading the faith across the country in recent days, undaunted by the polls and prognosticators forecasting a devastating defeat for his party in Tuesday's midterm elections. It's not a faith shared by everyone, not even among fellow Democrats, not even among his own advisors and allies, some of whom view the coming days with dread. History has rarely favored first-term presidents in midterm elections. Another headline on Monday's New York Times front page reads, quote, GOP shows optimism as Democrats brace for losses. So that's quite different from what we saw. Yeah. In 2018 on the front page. Uncertainty about an election where Democrats ended up winning a blue wave. 41 House seats that year. But this year, predictions of doom and race that almost all polls show to be going into Election Day show to be a toss up or a dead heat. 
when it comes to voter preferences in uh, in a bunch of Senate races in the generic who do you prefer controls Congress, Democrats or Republicans question. Now, it very well might result in doom and gloom for Democrats, but the folks at The New York Times had no idea really one way or another on Monday when they published that front page. What is that about? They didn't even mention, you know, doom or gloom for Republicans back in 2018 when they ended up being swamped by a blue tsunami in which they lost 41 seats in the House. And then there's this from Politico on Monday. Uh, headline, voters appear ready to blame Democrats for economy and inflation. The article reads, voters, are, voters often treat midterm elections as a referendum on the president and his party, which suggests that support for Democrats is on the wane, and many polling averages indicate that voters are more inclined to vote for Republicans as a result. Well, that sounds bad. And then you look at the actual poll that they are reporting on by Politico and Morning Consult. What is that poll? Well, the 2022 generic congressional ballot shows voters, uh, registered voters prefer Democrats, 48 percent to Republicans, 43 percent. Wait, what? Yes. The Democrats have a five point advantage in this final Politico morning consult poll that Politico reports on by saying voters appear ready to blame Democrats. Hmm. That doesn't seem to match what the story actually says. Uh, you know, uh, so what's going on here? I, I, in truth, I don't actually know. And I, in fact, I don't want to get anybody's hopes up who, who you know, do listen to this show uh, before the end of Election Day on Tuesday. In fact, I've sort of been downplaying what I keep seeing as potentially encouraging numbers for Democrats uh, for many weeks now, even as the corporate media in those recent weeks has been telling us that Democrats are all but done for. And in fact, maybe they are. But maybe they aren't. And while I have held off on reporting this kind of stuff, because I don't want to get anyone's hopes up, wishful thinking, I want to report some of this today Again, with some not hearing the show until after Election Day, so maybe it's all moot by now for you people in the future that I'm speaking to. But I want to touch on it today because in the event that it is a good night on Tuesday for the Democrats, well, you can expect that Republicans will start squealing about how it was stolen from them again. They claimed that nonsense, of course, in 2020, even when it was clear that Joe Biden was always ahead of Donald Trump in the pre-election polls back in 2020. And yet they pretended their way into believing that Donald Trump could only have lost because Democrats stole it from him, which is absurd for anybody who had you know, been paying even moderately close attention to the pre-election polls throughout the entire 2020 season, all showing that Trump was going to lose. So now I want to share some of the numbers with you today, like I have, you know, like this morning console poll in the event that Dems end up having a strong night by way of letting you know that, no, everyone was not predicting a GOP blowout of Democrats, because I promise you that races that Republicans lose will be called out by them as fraudulent and many will cite you know polling to back them up and the belief that there's no way a republican could have lost not this year 
when everyone said the Democrats were going to lose, so it must have been stolen with fraud. So uh, by way of one example, Simon Rosenberg, a longtime Democratic political advisor and strategist, he tweeted out a thread which included a few notable items uh, similar to uh, what he has been tweeting out for the past week or so. So this was on Monday night. Happy Monday, all, he says. Been a good few days. Democrats closing strong. He said, we finally get a long overdue story at what may end up being one of the most important stories of the election, how ongoing attacks on integrity of election systems may be causing Republicans to stay home. He links to a Washington Post story arguing, quote, some in the Republican Party worry their assault on early voting could ultimately suppress GOP turnout. Rosenberg is citing that in order to note that uh, quote, early voting is dangerously off for Republicans across the U.S. The early vote via Tom Bonnier's target early. Tom has joined us on the show a couple of times in recent weeks. Uh, the early vote with two days of voting to go. This was as of Sunday uh, reveals Democrats turnout is up eight to 10 percent from 2018. Again, remember, that was the year the Democrats flipped 41 House seats, and this year their their share of the turnout is 8 to 10 high, uh, uh, percentage points higher than it was back in 2018. Democrats' lead in the early vote share in early voting uh, was 50 to 39 over Republicans, giving them, in theory, a 4.3 million vote firewall as of this past Sunday night, prior to Election Day on Tuesday. He notes at this point in 2018, Democrats led 46 to 45 over Republicans in turnout. In 2020, Democrats led 48 to 41. That's seven point lead this year. It's an 11 point lead for Democrats over Republicans in early voting 50 to 39 which is a higher lead in early voting than either 2018 or 2020. And the final vote, uh, he notes, in those two previous elections was only two to, f- uh, two to four points different from the early voting in those two years. He says, yikes for Republicans. Media got a closing intensity story badly wrong, says Rosenberg. The intensity, how people feel about, uh, you know, how, how strongly they feel one way or another about the candidates and the parties before the election. He again uh, cites uh, Tom Bonnier to note that um, uh, Democrats checked all of the voter intensity boxes in these last few months. They had overperformance in House uh, special elections and in that Kansas abortion uh, election. They had a voter registration spike. They had candidates that way outraised Republicans. Democrats crushed it in early voting. Rosenberg cites NBC's uh, numbers guy, Steve Kornacki, who tweeted on Sunday, those voters who rate their midterm interest as a nine or a 10 on a 10 point scale, well, is now 73 for Democrats and 73 for Republicans. Two weeks ago, he notes it was Republicans, 78 Democrats, 69. In other words, two weeks ago, Republicans were nine points more excited about this election. Now a dead heat going into Election Day. So 
something has changed. And I'm uh, trying to point these out because, again, after uh, we'll see. But if the Democrats do better than expected, whether they take a majority in the two houses or not, whether they uh, do better in any particular race, you're going to have Republicans yelling that is impossible. The media said that Democrats were going to uh, it was going to you know get thumped this year. It must be fraud. Then there were items uh, like uh, from John Ralston, who is the dean of Nevada politics uh, journalism. He, he supposedly knows Nevada politics better than anyone on planet Earth. And while the polling has been suggesting that Democratic incumbent Senator Catherine Cortez Masto is either losing to or in a dead heat with Republican challenger Adam Laxalt in Nevada, in what is likely the best state for Republicans to be able to flip a Senate seat from blue to red? Well, Ralston has called the race for Cortez Masto for some reason, citing the big Democratic early vote lead as a firewall against Election Day and saying the rest of the media should be noting the same. Rosenberg says uh, the states where growth of the Democratic vote share compared to 2020 is greater than Nevada, where Ralston is calling it for the Democrat. We'll see if he's right. But in the states where it's a larger early uh, early vote firewall before Election Day, Arizona, Georgia, Iowa, Indiana, Michigan, North Carolina, New York, Ohio, New York, Pennsylvania, Oh, he's got New York twice. Pennsylvania, Texas, Virginia, Washington, Wisconsin. Are the media paying attention to those numbers when they're reporting doom and gloom for Democrats? Do they realize what they could potentially be setting up for? Yeah, it sounds like they are setting up a very dangerous playing field when they refuse to report on the uncertainty of these pre-election polls that give a totally different view. And also not just the polls, but the surge in registrations, the surge in early voting. All of that data together is creating, I think, a dangerous narrative that Republicans won't be able to accept if it doesn't go their way. That despite, in some cases, their own polling. You know, like Politico saying it doesn't look good for Democrats. They're leading by five points in the generic congressional poll. What? So we see this in all of these uh, nonpartisan polls, uh, which have, you know, Democrats actually up over Republicans uh, in the uh, generic polling at the uh, at the end of the early voting process. The final NBC poll Shows uh, generic ballot likely voters, Democrats 48, Republicans 47. So uh, Rosenberg's got much more on this. He he even quotes from Republican strategist Dick Morris. Remember him? He's still alive. He's writing over at Newsmax saying uh, Republicans, you would have thought, would have learned their lessons from 2020. But now in 2022, early data and polling is showing the same damn thing happening. Says Dick Morris, my point is not to get anyone's hopes up. In fact, as noted, uh, many are you know, likely listening to me in the future on Wednesday morning and already know how at least some of this turned out. There may, in fact, have been that red wave that so many Republicans seemed so confident in and that corporate media wags were repeating all weekend long and for several weeks before that. 
In which case, one needs to ask, uh, given uh, you know how close it was on the eve of the election, did the corporate media have a hand in swinging the vote to Republicans by helping to depress the Democratic turnout with that kind of reporting, at least on Election Day? Because uh, Democrats appear to have been out in spades during the early voting period. But in the event that Democrats do better than expected, uh, or at least reported by many of these corporate media sites, if they defy the so-called conventional wisdom in 2022, you know that Republicans are going to be screaming bloody murder. That these numbers are simply impossible. They can only be explained due to fraud by Democrats. Whether or not they have any such evidence to support those kind of claims. So, no, there was, in fact, plenty of evidence heading into Election Day that Democrats could do better than the bulk of the super geniuses in the corporate media and pretty much all of the Republican Party have been claiming. In addition to uh, potentially suppressing the vote with their negative Nelly reportage on where did the Democrats go wrong? Uh, even before Election Day, they were asking that question. They may also be helping to set up an environment where Republicans will be able to claim that we only lost because of fraud. All the polls and the numbers said we were going to win in a blowout. Well, no, they did not. TPM's Josh Marshall uh, noted on Tuesday morning, quote, big picture, we're probably still looking at a solid GOP night, but there are enough pieces of the puzzle that just don't fit or don't fit in the way we would expect that we can't take that outcome entirely for granted. Even setting aside the non-trivial possibility of wholesale polling error, it's not implausible that we wake up Wednesday morning with a Democratic hold in the Senate and a small major GOP majority in the House. It's also entirely plausible that everything close breaks for the GOP and you end up with a huge night for Republicans. Yeah, he's right. Nobody knows. It's also, by the way, entirely plausible that everything close breaks for Democrats. You end up with a huge night for Democrats. So I just kind of wanted to sort of get some of that on record here when and if we don't know, but when and if the wailing and crying starts from Republicans, if they end up losing or if they don't win as much as they were already measuring the curtains for in the leadership offices of both the House and the Senate today. All right. Meanwhile, I'm going to be making a very big announcement on Tuesday November 15th at Mar-a-Lago in Palm Beach, Florida. Yeah, okay, whatever. That was Donald mm. Trump uh, before a crowd in Ohio on Monday night where he was holding his final rally of the midterm season to bolster, theoretically, Republican Senate candidate J.D. Vance. But, of course, ended up making bigger headlines for himself as he does in advance of the uh, critical Senate battle there in the Buckeye state between Vance and Democrat Tim Ryan, who's probably delighted that Trump injected himself like that to remind voters about what is truly at stake on Tuesday, <laughs> uh, you know, before the uh, 2024 presidential election. So uh, Trump explained he, he, he actually wanted to uh, announce on Tuesday I'm sorry, on Monday at that rally in Ohio, it freaked out all of the Republicans who begged him, please don't, please, please don't. 
So now he says, well, we'll be doing it very, very soon. And uh, soon apparently is now uh, Tuesday, Tuesday the 15th. Uh, That, as his legal challenges get worse and worse and worse in every regard, I will. uh, uh, We've got so much to cover today. I will leave off the list. I don't even have the time to cover all the (laughs) list of the things that are coming down on him legally. And apparently he sees this as his best way somehow to get out of them. Good luck there, sir. I don't know if, you know, if that's going to work. But essentially, you know, he's hoping to change the subject. Uh, If I were him, I would want to change the subject also. But in related news, coming back to Tuesday's elections, the Justice Department is said to be out in force at the polls on Tuesday, taking a break from working on their indictments against Trump, I guess. They're uh, out in force in about 24 states. That's an increase of six states more than in the 2020 election, though Missouri and Florida were trying to keep out those uh, Department of Justice observers for some reason, keep them out of the polling places. Makes you wonder what they've got to hide. Don't it? Uh, There were also voting machines uh, problems uh, in several counties, including a big one in Arizona. And we've got a couple of other reported problems today that I want to try to get to as well. And Desi Doyne's Green News Report. All of that is still ahead on today's Midterm Elections Day or the day following Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't touch that dial. Hey, this is Brad here at the Bradcast and Bradblog.com. We fight for election integrity all year around, like no other media outlet in the nation. But of course, we need your help to do it. Please stop by Bradblog.com slash donate to make an automated monthly pledge of any amount you like or even just a one-time-only contribution to help us remain on your public airwaves and completely independent. The fight for voting rights, civil rights, and to save our planet continues. Please help us continue that fight independently over your public airwaves by stopping by bradblog.com slash donate right now. Go ahead. Do it right now. From Desi Doyen and myself, thank you. Welcome back. It's the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Of course, special coverage probably all week long of midterm <laughs> elections 2022. Hey, you know, it's just the fate of the country, fate of the world. That's you know, no all. pressure. And by the way, it may not be the final countdown because there, well, we'll see, but we may have to have a runoff election for the U.S. Senate in about a month's time on December 6th in the state of Georgia. But who knows? We'll find out. We're not there yet, uh, at least not as we go to air on uh, Tuesday. Voting machines throughout Mercer County, New Jersey, were facing what the New York, uh, New Jersey Globe described as technical difficulties on Tuesday morning when the polls opened. No voters were turned away because luckily Mercer County, New Jersey, is the only one in the Garden State that actually offers voters hand-marked paper ballots at the polling place. That was lucky that this problem happened in Mercer County. The other ones still force you to vote on on uh, touchscreen uh, voting systems that are 100 percent unverifiable. Anyway, the issue involves what the Globe describes as a programming glitch. 
with the paper ballot optical scanners, which count votes after ballots are filled out by hand. Programmers from the machine's vendor, Dominion, were on site trying to work through the problem, uh, according to the New Jersey Globe. The uh, Mercer County clerk said there is a slot on the top of the scanner and voters can vote and are voting manually. We are asking poll workers to use the official ballots uh, because they can still vote them manually. In other words, fill them out by hand and then place them in the slot in the scanning machine and we will count them manually. Now, when she says manually there, I I suspect what she actually means is with computers, but back at county headquarters, since the scanner at the polling place was not working, that as opposed to hand counting the ballots, though that would be fine by me. That would be very nice for those who really want to know how voters voted in Mercer County. And, of course, that's just one reason why hand-marked paper ballots are nice, because even when the computer scanner goes down at the polls, the ballots can still be placed into a locked box and then counted later. Nobody gets turned away from voting. While issues with optical scanners will not prevent voting, it could, however, delay the counting of the votes on Tuesday night, uh, reports The Globe. But that's okay. We'll all uh, survive a delayed count by a few hours if necessary. It sounds so far like officials and voters in Mercer County handled all of this like grown-ups. They put their ballots into a secured box to be scanned later. Life went on. At the same time, however, in Phoenix, Arizona, a very similar problem occurred, and you will be shocked to know it did not get handled quite as well in Maricopa. According to the New York Times this afternoon, reports of dozens of malfunctioning ballot counting machines, yes, optical scanners, also made by Dominion, except these were in Maricopa County in Arizona. That is Phoenix. That's the uh, state's largest county by far, Maricopa. And this malfunction prompted a surge of voter fraud claims across right-wing media Tuesday morning in the early sign that election doubts and conspiracy theories will continue to find traction on Election Day. Who could have predicted it? Maricopa officials said the problems with the tabulating scanners included the rejection of valid ballots or their failure to read ballots successfully on the first try. The problem was said to be affecting about 40 of the county's 223 voting centers. I think uh, later it was actually uh, up to the problem was found in 60 of these voting centers. The chair of the Maricopa County Board of, of Supervisors, Bill Gates, and Steve Richer, the county recorder, who are both Republicans, said the problems were disappointing, but voters could still cast ballots and nobody was being denied a vote. You know, kind of like what I told you happened in Mercer County, New Jersey. County, New Jersey. Mr. Gates said none of this indicates fraud. This is a technical issue. But claims of widespread voter fraud circulated quickly on social media, says the Times, and in the right-wing media nonetheless, with several right-wing influencers arguing that the problems at the voting sites would disproportionately affect Republicans who have recently preferred voting in person because of distrust of mail-in ballots. The chair of the Arizona State Republican Party, she's a piece of work, Kelly Ward, immediately raised the possibility of, quote, malfeasance <laughs> and of recalling officials. 
About 6 in 10 Arizona voters reside in Maricopa County, which has tilted increasingly toward Democrats. Since 2016, several Republican election liars are running in Arizona in competitive races, including for Secretary of State and Governor, both of whom would be responsible for certifying the state's 2024 presidential election if they uh, are declared the winner after Tuesday. Taylor Moss, the election protection director for Arizona Democracy Resource Center, said, quote, it's really unfortunate that there are these bad actors who are spreading the lies that mail voting isn't safe and secure. Because, of course, had they voted by mail, this problem wouldn't have happened. A video recorded outside of a polling station on Tuesday morning showed a worker early on Tuesday telling a long line of voters about the problem with the scanners. So what happens is we have two tabulators. One of the tabulators is not working, okay? The other tabulator is taking about 75% successful. So 25% of them are being misread, and it could be a printer issue, um, or it could be the tabulator itself. So when it's misread, you have an option to put it into what's called box three, and it gets read, whether it goes downtown and gets read annually, or whether it gets refed in into our tabulator. You don't want to adjudicate. get read, no. okay? So no one's trying to <laughs> deceive anybody. Of course not, not on election day. That would never happen, right? No, that would never happen. So... Uh, did, you, did you hear the part about the guy? Uh, that guy who says, "Oh, we no, we don't want it. We don't want to adjudicate." <laughs> I know. So that guy, I don't know if you know what he's talking about, Des, but he has no clue what he's talking about. True. He he thinks, you know, because he follows uh, too much right wing fake news. That uh, well, adjudication is the process that occurs when the scanners may not read any particular vote in a race or they read too many votes in that race. In that case, the computer system marks it, says, hey, human beings should look at this ballot. The ballot is then shown to human judges to make sure that there is actually no vote there, that somebody you know, did not vote purposely in that race rather than something that the scanner missed. But the uh, the wingnuts since 2020 have decided that the adjudication process is used to uh, to change votes somehow, even though it doesn't change the actual paper ballot in any way. And hopefully it assures that votes the computer missed actually get counted. But he no, we don't want it adjudicated. We heard that was something bad. Please do not double check that my ballot is accurately counted. So this is not about adjudication. This is about scanners, precinct-based scanners that simply don't work. So they'll take the hand-marked paper ballots that they enjoy, that they are allowed to thankfully vote in uh, in Maricopa County. They'll take them back to headquarters. They'll scan them down there on scanners that do work after the polls close, just like they scan the mail and the uh, absentee early votes. Now, the video that you heard there was posted by a guy named Tyler Bowyer. The, he's the chief operating officer for Turning Point USA, which is a right-wing group. Uh, that video was viewed by more than 1.7 million people by the time uh, that the New York Times wrote about it on, uh, on Tuesday. Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene of Georgia, a Republican, she rang in. She shared the video on her official Twitter account, and she called for elections to use, quote, paper ballots only. (laughs) But of course, they already do use paper ballots only in Maricopa. 
Carrie Lake, the Republican candidate for governor in Arizona, she's sown doubts about election integrity and her own run against the state's current Democratic Secretary of State, Katie Hobbs. She posted that video on her Twitter account and added, quote, this is why we must reform our elections. Okay. During a live stream, Steve Bannon, the one-time Donald Trump aide who has been convicted of contempt of Congress, sentenced to two months in prison pending his current appeal, he suggested that the malfunction was a deliberate effort to suppress Republican votes. They're doing this on purpose, Bannon said. A guest on his show replied, the only way they can win is if they cheat. And apparently, Twitter no longer has its tool to report disinformation because I wanted to report some disinformation. I was reading the Twitter thread in reply uh, to this video. Uh, Some guy posted a map of Maricopa County with some sort of drawings on it and said, quote, they've already got all the votes they need from last night's ballot airdrops (laughs) from that plane with no call sign. (laughs) But I couldn't report it. Because I guess uh, you can no longer report disinformation on Elon Musk's Twitter. Anyway, uh, Maricopa County has been the target of conspiracy theories since 2020, as you know. Back then, more than 150 Republicans swarmed a vote-counting site festooned with Trump flags and asserted that the county was committing fraud. It was later theoretically uh, fully recounted by the far-right-wing cyber ninja clowns who found that Biden, in fact, beat Trump by even more than was originally certified. But uh, we do have a late update, just as I'm coming on air, that the uh, Election Day ballot solution has been found. We figured out what the problem was, apparently, to those scanners. Apparently, the printers have printed. There are certain marks that go around the ballot that tell the scanner. They're called timing marks that instruct the scanner as far as where the ballot is as it feeds through that scanner. Well, apparently, the timer marks were printed a little bit too lightly. On these ballots. So the scanners were not able to read these ballots. And apparently they have since adjusted the scanners to be able to uh, read slightly lighter uh, printing on those ballots. So theoretically, the problem solved. Um, Jen Fifield of the Arizona Republic reports that the uh, solution has worked at 17 locations. Actually, she shares an announcement from the Maricopa Elections Department saying the solution has worked at 17 locations and uh, technicians are deploying throughout the county to resolve the issue uh, before the uh, end-of-day rush. But, uh, you know, uh, just compare and contrast the almost exact same problem that happened in Mercer Mercer County, New Jersey, and the one that happened in Maricopa. The scanners failed. Scanners made by the same company, Dominion. In New Jersey, they were adults. They voted their vote. They put it in the box, and those will be counted later. In Arizona, it's a national conspiracy already. Now, Maricopa election officials have worked in the years since 2020 to dispel concerns about these sorts of issues, but they have... Uh, You know, weathered a bruising primary season that brought up all of these conspiracy theories again. As Reuters reported on Sunday, election workers in Arizona's most fiercely contested county, that would be uh, Maricopa, 
face more than 100 violent threats and intimidating communications in the run-up to Tuesday's midterms. Those are still happening. This is not from 2020. This is in the run-up to this Tuesday's election. More than 100 violent threats, most of them based on conspiracy theories promoted by Trump and his allies. Reuters reports the harassment in Maricopa County included menacing emails, social media posts, threat to circulate personal information online, photographing employees arriving at work. That, according to nearly 1,600 pages of documents that was obtained by Reuters through a public records request, uh, but between July 11 and August 22, for example, the county election office documented at least 140 threats and other hostile communications. According to these records, quote, you will all be executed, said one. Quote, wire around their limbs and tied and dragged by a car, wrote another. These uh, threats, of course, are coming at a time of uh, great concern about political violence following the attack on the husband of the Democratic House Speaker, Nancy Pelosi, by a man who embraced these sorts of theories. In Maricopa, the harassment has been unnerving election officials, according to these uh, unreported uh, documents, previously unreported documents that Reuters obtained. A number of temporary workers quit after being accosted outside the main ballot counting center following the August 2 primary in Maricopa. One temporary employee broke down in tears after a stranger photographed her, according to an email from Stephen Richer, the county recorder sent to county officials. The unidentified worker left work early and never returned. She wasn't a political person, she told Richer. She just wanted a job. Since the 2020 election, Reuters has documented over more than 1,000 intimidating messages to election officials across the country, including more than 120 that could warrant prosecution according to uh, legal efforts. But if you're wondering what actual voter suppression actually does look like, voters at a large polling place in a predominantly Hispanic area of Houston, Texas, were unable to cast ballots for roughly four hours on Tuesday, raising concerns that many who had arrived before work to vote would not be able to return. Now, because most of Texas uses voting systems that require machines to work as opposed to hand-marked paper ballots, much of the state uses touchscreen voting systems, in this case made by Hart InterCivic in Harris County, in order for voters to be able to vote at all at the polling place. Well, this actually really could prevent hundreds of voters from voting at all in the Tuesday midterms. Though it's odd that Marjorie Taylor Greene has not complained about it or, in this case, correctly called for paper ballots in this instance in this very Democratic-leaning city of Houston in this predominantly Hispanic area. The problems at the site apparently began before the polls opened. Uh, An election clerk quit. We don't know why. And the voting machines were not set up, county officials said. The county was considering extending ballot hours at the polling site and at a handful of others that opened late as well. David Aguilar, a 70-year-old man who arrived at the polling place before 6 a.m. 
Anticipating long lines, well, the doors did not open as planned at 7 a.m. He said they had the doors locked. He described a scene of confusion, mounting anger among voters who were turned away. They were mad, he said. A lot were Latinas, worried about disenfranchisement. Aguilar, who said he eventually voted uh, for Beto O'Rourke, the Democratic challenger to Governor Greg Abbott, he ended up waiting until 11 a.m. Mm, five hours and five he's 70. hours. Yeah. 70 years old to cast his ballot. How that's many people mean. can do that? Yeah. Well, that's a nice way to put it. He said he was among the first to do so, by the way. He said, quote, I'm concerned about democracy. Yeah, me too, Mr. Aguilar. Before the problems were solved, voters were sent to surrounding polling places as the lines grew. Across Houston, voters experienced long waits on Tuesday morning, in some cases more than 90 minutes, because that's what happens when you force people to vote on touchscreen voting systems that take a really long time to count, can never be verified after an election. And yes, when they break down, voters cannot vote. So there were some other problems today uh, that I've been able to hear of uh, so far. Thankfully, not a lot. As we always note, problems in both voting and counting sometimes do not come to light until the hours and days and even weeks after Election Day. So we will be watching. We will be letting you know whatever we can learn whenever we can learn it in the days ahead. And we will have whatever results are available, of course, and whatever new problems may come to light on our next broadcast and probably our next one after that and <laughs> our next one after that. Yeah, it's going to be that kind of election. Quick break and we're back with Desi Doyen and the Green News Report. That is next on today's broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. The broadcast and the Green News Report are 100% independent. 100% listener supported. But we can't do it alone. We need you. Please help us bring real facts to listeners at independent stations around the nation. Please drop by bradblog.com slash donate. That's bradblog.com slash donate. And thanks. And now for something completely different. <laughs> Let's get to it. Our latest Green News Report. The clock is ticking. It's a big week for the planet as UN Climate Conference kicks off in Egypt. Major glaciers to disappear by 2050. Plus... This is a massive system. Late season storm Nicole takes aim at Florida's east coast. Nicole. All of those stories and more straight ahead from Bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. And the biggest threat to democracy is to have someone like Senator Warnock to vote against our Keystone Pipeline. Okay, a, a pipeline from Canada is not a threat to democracy, Herschel Walker. And two, Senator Warnock did not vote against the pipeline. It was not up for a vote. This is your Green News Report. Okay, Tessie Dorian, as we go to air, a big day, election day. 
And I'm sure it has nothing at all to do with the climate, correct? (laughs) It has everything to do with the climate. But first, as we go to air, the east coast of Florida is under a new state of emergency Mm. as a rare November storm, Nicole, heads its way. It's forecast to deluge the state when it makes landfall as a hurricane later this week, even as residents are still trying to recover from deadly Hurricane Ian in September. Nicole! It is a big week for the planet. Americans are voting in the critical 2022 midterm elections, an inflection point for the nation and the planet that will decide whether the U.S. acts with speed and scope to curb the climate crisis and remain competitive in the global clean energy revolution or doesn't. Okay, but no matter what happens in the midterms, that $400 billion that the Democrats voted to go towards mitigating climate change, that stays, right? Right, unless Republicans find some way to dismantle it. Mm-hmm. Simultaneously, the latest United Nations climate treaty negotiations, known as COP27, are underway in Egypt to hammer out implementation of the landmark Paris Agreement to keep global temperatures from rising more than 2 degrees Celsius above pre-industrial levels and transition all economies away from the fossil fuels that are causing the climate crisis. Two reports released on the opening day of the conference underscore the challenge. The first from the UN's World Meteorological Organization finds the past eight years were the eight hottest years ever recorded since record-keeping began in the mid-1800s. That means that every year since 2016 has been one of the warmest on record, indicating that the world is now deep into the climate crisis. Somebody ought to get together and have a conference about that. The stark assessment sets out how record high levels of greenhouse gases in the atmosphere are supercharging extreme weather disasters from Pakistan to China and the U.S. The oceans are hotter than ever. The rate of sea level rise has doubled since 1993 due to the melting of land ice from Greenland, Antarctica and land glaciers. A different report by UNESCO concludes that because of man-made global warming, major glaciers around the world will be gone by 20 like UN World Heritage Sites, Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania, and Yosemite and Yellowstone National Parks in the United States. But if global temperature rise is limited to 1.5 degrees Celsius, the study finds it is possible that only one-third of those glaciers will disappear by 2050. So in that event, we'd still be able to see some glaciers at Yellowstone in 2050. Maybe. Of course, I'll be a thousand years old. It matters because glacier melt is a primary source of drinking water in some of the most volatile regions in the world. Against the backdrop of costly record-shattering heat waves, droughts, and floods over the past few months, the COP27 UN Climate Conference kicked off with climate finance taking center stage. For the first time, the agenda includes formal negotiations on how rich nations should compensate poorer nations for the unavoidable impacts of climate change known as loss and damage. They have been fighting about this, it seems, for years at these COP conferences. They have been. This is the first formal negotiations to hammer it out. Hmm. Developing nations have contributed only a tiny fraction of the greenhouse gas emissions that are causing the climate crisis, but are hit first and worst by its cascading consequences, with repetitive disasters sapping their capacity to adapt to future disasters. Rich nations for years have failed to fulfill their promises to provide $100 billion a year to a fund to help developing countries cut their CO2 emissions and adapt to 
to climate impacts. On Monday, U.N. Secretary General Antonio Guterres cited the mounting toll of weather disasters in urging countries to move quickly to implementation. We are in the fight of our lives and we are losing. Greenhouse gas emissions keep growing. Global temperatures keep rising. And our planet is fast approaching tipping points that will make climate chaos irreversible. We are on a highway to climate hell with our foot still on the accelerator. Well, hopefully it's a battery electric vehicle. For much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to today, check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. Thank you very much, Desi Doyen. By the way, that uh, Nicole, that storm, uh, is now a tropical storm. And uh, the uh, AccuWeather says that it could become a hurricane and make landfall by Thursday morning. Buckle up, Florida. Buckle up, Florida. Buckle up, our friend Nicole. Nicole Nicole Sandler, Sandler, who actually lives on that uh, eastern coast of Florida. Nicole. Go. All right. Uh, everyone stay safe out there. Yes, please. The Highway of Hell continues on tomorrow's broadcast. <laughs> Until then, my thanks to our producer, Desi Doy, and to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's program or any other, you can download them all for free, no paywall, at bradblog.com anytime. That is made possible by those of you who have supported us for so many years uh, helping us stay on your public airwaves hit the donate button or just go to straight to bradblog.com slash donate drop me an email if you like if you had any problems at the polls i'd love to hear from you in particular i am bradcast at bradblog.com on the facebooks and the twitters i am the brad blog we will see you there until we see you here tomorrow i'm brad friedman good luck world Every election day, we're told, go vote. Your vote is sacred, they tell us. It's your constitutional right. Well, yes to voting, but most people, including most politicians, would be astonished to learn that America's Constitution contains no declaration that we the people have a right to vote. In the founding document of our democratic republic, voting is mentioned 37 times, but none of them embrace access to the ballot as a fundamental right. This is no oversight, for most of the founders of the 1780s were unabashed plutocrats who wanted suffrage restricted to white male property owners, fencing out the democratic rabble. James Madison himself, author of the Bill of Rights, insisted that only the wealthy be allowed to vote, calling them, quote, the safest repositories of Republican liberty. He warned that poorer classes could be swayed by populist anger at the propertied elites. Among the prominent founders, only Benjamin Franklin had the temerity to dissent from Madison's institutionalization of plutocratic rule, pointing out that the vast majority of those who had fought, bled, and died to establish the new nation were landless commoners. He also rudely noted that the wealthy were at least as corruptible as the poorest of the poor, so disenfranchising the masses would do nothing to improve a government's virtue. Slowly, painfully, generations of grassroots commoners 
have inched open the American ballot box to more of us, extending the legal possibilities of democratic participation. But as we see in this year's blatant, violent mob efforts by the right-wing minority to shut out millions of legitimate voters, the few can still overrule the many in America. This is Jim Hightower saying, Meanwhile, Bill's calling for a constitutional amendment to affirm every citizen's fundamental right to cast a ballot have never been given a hearing, much less a vote. The Hightower Radio Lowdown is brought to you by the Lowdown Happy Hour, live streamed from the Chat and Chew Cafe. Details at HightowerLowdown.org.